0: hey everybody thank you once again for joining us on this genesis study today uh brad what are we on number six now
1: this is number six
0: number six all right uh this is amazing to me uh each and every week is amazing because we're on six i wouldn't have believed we'd get to number two uh two months ago
1: my only question is who's on first
0: Uh, I have no answer to that. (laughs) (laughs) Nowhere to go with that. Um, So right now, uh, let me say, just to start things off, I'm Scott.
1: And I'm Brad. And this is Not About Us.
0: Okay, so Genesis number six. This feels pretty cool to me. Like I said, I, boy, this is amazing to me that uh, God's brought us this far because I had no idea I'd be here uh, just two months ago. And how far God has brought Brad and I is is just stunning me and edifying me personally each and every day. Once again, I want to repeat, I hope this is... Wonderful for each of you guys out there to hear us doing this, not because we're so spectacular, but because we're nothing. We're just a couple of guys hanging out, doing this, chasing God, and I hope that each and every one of you, it inspires you to say, well, I can do it too then.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's my hope. I can promise you we're nothing special, <laughs> but but we do have a love for God and, and, and a desire to chase him. Absolutely. And so if that's you too... I mean, go for it.
0: And on that note, Brad, this is not about us. I'd like you to have the honor of inviting in who it is about.
1: Absolutely. Yahweh God, creator of the universe, the almighty. First, thank you. Thank you. We're almost up to 20 total podcasts. And I hope that each one of them has brought you glory and honor, because it is not about us. This is all for you. It's about you, and we want to share that with others. So will you be here in this Genesis study and help provide us with the inspiration of what needs to be talked about, what should be talked about? God, we love you, and we want you to be that honored guest. Thank you. Amen.
0: Amen. Hallelujah. All right, well, we were in Genesis. We're still in Genesis chapter one. Uh, I might actually reach Genesis two uh, this time. I'm not exactly sure, uh, but something I wanna say before getting into it this time is I I, I feel kinda cool about this episode because in a few previous episodes, uh, I've had some moments, at least to me, uh, I don't know how you're receiving it. Uh, everyone's different. But to me, they've been pretty cool, mind-blowing moments at times, just amazing things leaped out at me uh, from the Word of God that really spoke to my heart. This time, not so much. And I say that in a good way, because this it felt really cool to me that we've had some time, and this, this, I, I think of this as a treasure hunt. Uh, we've got the map, we're seeking out gems, precious gems of God's truths, And that feeling when you find the X, X marks the spot, you dig it up and, oh, this is amazing. This is so cool. Today, I feel like most of what I'm going to talk about, we're in the dotted line phase. We're in the, uh, I know I'm on the right path. I know this is going somewhere, but I haven't quite nailed it down yet. And that actually excites me because it's part of the journey too.
1: It's a sense of anticipation for what's going to come. Yeah, You know it's going to come. You know you're going to find it. You just got to follow that dotted line a little longer.
0: But also just the simple fact that the Bible says knowledge puffs up. And I like these moments of, I won't say humiliation, because that's not the right word, but humbling. Uh, I like these times. I do, I've learned to appreciate the times where God just kind of looks down, uh, sits across from me and goes, you don't know it all. Don't think you do. And I, I... I've come to really appreciate those times as uh, God's chastening. The Bible says, you know, do not uh uh do not run away from the chastening of God. You know, love the chastening of God because if he's chastening you, that means he loves you. And so I I appreciate these times where God just says, "Hey, sit down, listen to me, you're not all there yet." So that's what we're going to get into right now. I'm going to have a lot of this could be going somewhere, but I'm not exactly sure where it's going. So let's, let's see what I'm talking about here. I wanna start with Genesis 1:29 through 30. And Elohim said, "'Behold, I have given you every herb yielding seed, "'which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree, "'in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. "'To you it shall be for food.'" And to every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the air and to everything that creeps upon the earth, wherein there is a living soul, I have given every green herb for food. And it was so. Now I want to go back real quick and review several other passages here that we've just gone over in the last few weeks. Something jumped out at me. Again, I don't have an absolute answer, but I want to bring these out to you and see what you think. Um, and in, in Genesis 1, 20 through 23, now I'm not exactly sure which verse, I've kind of in my notes, I've grouped 20 through 23 and then I have just one paragraph. So I'm not, when I read these, I'm not exactly sure exactly which verse uh, each thing I'm saying falls into. But Elohim said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let fowl fly above in the earth in the open firmament of heaven. So Elohim created the great sea creatures and every living creature that creeps with which the waters swarmed after its kind and every winged fowl after its kind. So here he's talking about the sea creatures and the air creatures. We would think, you know, birds, the, the uh, anything that lives in the air, so to speak, makes the air its home. In Genesis one twenty-four through 25, he says, let the Earth bring forth the living creature after its kind. And we spoke about the division here, cattle and creeping thing, and beast of the earth, after its kind. And it was so. And he goes on, and he says, in Genesis 1:26 through27, "Let us make man in our image after our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. And then in Genesis 1.28, he's blessing man, telling him to be fruitful and multiply. And he says, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that creeps upon the earth. Now, something... That I have recognized that is very important, and I've said it before. It's why I try to get back to the original Hebrew as best I can. It's very important. I was talking to Brad about this before this podcast started. It's very important to understand not just what God said, but why He said it the way He did, the order in which He said it, the words He chose to say it. They are precise. We have to always remember he is that intricate, he is that perfect, that every, not just what he said, but the placement of it is perfect. What do you think about that, Brad, just before I go on?
1: We'd had a little conversation uh, before we started this podcast, just uh, thanking God and appreciating all the little things, all the little little perfect moments and decisions in our lives that had to happen to have even just brought you and I together. Yeah. But then on top of that, to bring my wife and I together and, and, and her family into my life and, and all these kind of things. And it just, it boggles the mind how perfect God moves. And so, yeah, no, I'm in total agreement. If he's that perfect, even in just my simple life, then his word of course has to be absolutely perfect. The placing of these words has to be perfect and mean something.
0: The Bible says every jot and every tittle is in its exact place. And the, the literal translation is every letter and every punctuation mark is exactly where it was meant to be. We always have to remember that when we're analyzing scripture. Now you can read an interpretation, a particular translation, uh, and not get the exact meaning of what God intended from the original Hebrew, uh, thank God. Uh, he, he watches over his word, and, and in any any of the basic translations, there are some intentionally wrong translations I'm not going to get into right now that that this does not apply to, but basically any translation in any language, you can get a basic understanding, which thank God by his grace is all you need to find him at at least a surface level. But we're going deeper here. We're going much deeper than the surface level. So when I see God repeat something and it's not said exactly the same way every time, what is the reason for that? What is he trying to say? So I wanna go back real quick and I wanna mention something he does repeat. Uh, over and over uh, in exactly the same way. And there was evening and there was morning, a first day. And there was evening and there was morning, a second day. And there was evening and so on and so on and so on. He repeats it exactly every time, which tells me that every day had precisely the same elements to it. Nothing changed. He's, he's making the statements that every one of these days had at least one element that was exactly the same. He's emphasizing that. That's why he's repeating himself word for word verbatim. There is a precision here, a, a standard, so to speak, that he is saying every day had exactly the same element to it. When he repeats the, these, these creatures every time, He does not list them exactly the same way. Why? I'm gonna throw some thoughts out there. But again, I don't have absolute answers. So I'm looking forward to you guys uh, maybe chiming in, telling me what you think. A couple things I thought about here is in one twenty-seven, Genesis one twenty-seven. man is given dominion over fish, fowl, Cattle and creeping thing. Now he's given dominion over five things, but the fifth thing is just the earth. He's given he's given dominion over the house that God built for him, basically. But four types of creatures are mentioned. Now we went over this uh when he mentions the specific types of creatures that he creates. He says the cattle, the creeping thing, and the beasts. But here he says, man is given dominion over fish, fowl, cattle, and creeping thing. Then in verse 28, God simply says, man has dominion over fish, fowl, and every living thing that creeps upon the earth. So a couple things I do see here. First of all, in 128, he gives man dominion over three things. So, Brad, what's number three stand for?
1: A. Uh, divine perfection
0: divine perfection a completeness so he god's telling him i'm giving you complete dominion over all living things the fish the fowl the land creatures so man has complete dominion god is making the statement by saying these three things that man has perfect uh, dominion over all of them but in the verse before that he categorizes them to a degree he doesn't say He doesn't repeat it. Again, fish, fowl, all living things. He says fish, fowl, cattle, and creeping things. And he throws in the earth in that. So in the number five, we see a picture of his grace. So again, once again, Adam is newly created. He hasn't done anything. He He hasn't done anything to deserve this. God's just giving it to him. It's a gift. Uh, Five is a a statement of grace, and he gives him five things. But within that five things, there are four of them are creatures. So in the number four, uh, that stands for God's creation. So this in and of itself is a picture that God is giving Adam dominion over all of his creation. So in three, four, and five things, I, I believe one of the reasons he split it up was to point that out, that we have... This total dominion over everything that God has made. And that's just being expressed in every on every level that God can express it. But there is something else that jumped out at me here. And that's the fact that he leaves beast out of 127. Now, it is implied, because in, in 128, he says every living thing. So all the beasts are are included in that. He has complete dominion over every living thing that walks the earth but he specifies in 127 fish fowl cattle and creeping things why did he leave beast out don't have an absolute answer for this but i do have a few thoughts and i wonder if part of the reason is because that same word beast as we've mentioned before means alive in fact one of the things i didn't mention previous time we we uh brought this up because i didn't realize it at the time but i've discovered that same word used for beast is exactly the same word that god uses for life in the in the tree of life
1: oh interesting
0: yeah so is it possible he left beasts out of this categorization because he's not giving dominion over life itself to man
1: Oh, that's really interesting. You say you have no good conclusions this time. Well, I, I that's don't.
0: A, that's a great little, great little. I don't connection. know that to be true. It's just something I'm I'm wondering about. I don't, I don't, I don't want to treat that as an absolute fact. I've come to it. Uh, it could be true. Well,
1: that being said, ev- anything that we say, we can't say is complete truth anyway. That's
0: true. But that, that's absolutely true. But it's still a very interesting. Wait, is that complete truth that we can't say okay, complete <laughs> truth? Is that? I just messed myself up there.
1: <laughs> that's one of those psychological tricks you're trying to that's pull right. on me. <laughs> but but no, it, uh, you, I see why you're excited now because you're right. We can't say that's it, and even if we could say that's it, that wouldn't be all of it. It's still really cool though. Right, I, I appreciate that connection
0: because in Genesis one twenty nine through thirty, he goes on to say. Uh, here's, here's what I'm giving you for food. So now he's no longer talking about dominion, but he's saying, here's what I give to you for food. And when he mentions the animals, he says to every beast of the earth, to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creeps upon the earth. So he doesn't mention the cattle, but is that because he's kind of generalizing with every beast of the earth? I do notice there's another three things here listed, and he leaves out the fish. And I was thinking, well, that's because what he's talking about is the grass of the earth, the trees, the, you know, the fish aren't going to eat that. So basically what he's limiting it to here are the, the land dwellers, uh, the things that walk on land, the birds who still, you know, have to come down. They, they don't just live in the air forever. Um, but he's given it all to them, so he's left the fish out. That makes sense. But... Is he saying beast here because he's giving the food to every living thing? Uh, because beast means alive as well. Is it all all the living animals that you think of uh, as as being an animal? The birds and everything that creeps upon the earth. All the insects, the the insect type creatures. Is he saying the the completeness of all the land dwelling animals? I it's just a thought. I don't really have an absolute conclusion. I don't know. Anything you want to add to that?
1: No, just that I would be excited. Um, if anyone has any good ideas that they want to share, uh, yeah, please mm-hmm. comment and, and, and let's have a discussion about this because it is very interesting.
0: Yeah. I, like I said, I do understand that what God said why he said it and how he said it is very important so that's what i'm going after i know there's something here i just feel like i don't have a solid grasp on it yet now i do want to point out that the niv uh, i said that uh, in genesis uh, 1 27 uh, he points out he, he specifies fish fowl cattle and creeping thing I'm getting this from as close as I can get to the original Hebrew. That's, this is why I go after the Hebraic translations. Uh, the NIV adds beasts to this. Now, it's it's from what I saw, it's the only version that does so. And again, I believe they did because it's insinuated that the beasts are included when in verse 28 says every living thing, that includes the beasts. But but it's not specified that way in the original Hebrew. So that's what I'm trying to get at.
1: I appreciate the nearly inspired version very much. <laughs> but I do. I Seriously, I, I make fun of translations here or there, um, but I have multiple translations, and I do think it's important um, to read multiple translations just to try to get an idea. Mm-hmm. But I'm totally with you. Hebraic roots really does help kind of yeah get into the mindset of uh, of of the people of the time, and yeah. I think that's important. I mean we can definitely look at it from our point of view today uh because the Bible was written for us today as it was written for them back then, yes, but I also think it is very, very important because we've lost so many so many of these traditions and these ideas. Mm-hmm. I think it is very important that we try very hard to read it to the best of our abilities as they would have
0: mm-hmm. Another reason why I say I use the Hebraic Roots version, I, I will say this, it has very many typographical errors in it. And I actually kind of like that because it's a reminder to me that they're trying to get to the original idea of what God meant. They're trying to say go back uh, to exactly what God said, but they're still human. Yeah. They're still fallible. God is perfect. We're not. We always have to remember that.
1: Can you imagine... Someday in heaven, that we get to maybe read a perfect version of scripture. That <laughs> wow, might blow yeah. our mind. Sorry, that thought just popped in my head. Yeah. But we're, we're, you know, we're retranslating these things to the best of our abilities as, you know, creatures that make errors. Mm-hmm. But imagine there might be a version. I mean, maybe we get it right from the source. Maybe he just reads it to us. But yeah. any way you look at it, imagine what it'd be like. To just sit there and go, oh, but like yeah. every, I mean, he says one word and you go, oh, I didn't mean, I didn't understand that from mm-hmm. one word. How amazing that would be. Sorry. I was just thought
0: that just no, popped in my head. That is totally cool. Um, I hadn't thought about it that way either, but yeah, just, yeah, to be in heaven and get not just a perfect translation, but with an uncorrupted mind at that point to to fully start to grasp it. Okay, anyway, I'll move on a little bit. There's something else that jumped out at me with this. And Elohim said to man, he's talking to Adam here, behold, I have given you every herb-yielding seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree, in which is the fruit of a tree-yielding seed. Now to the beasts, to the fowl, to the things that creep on earth, I have given every green herb for food. So to man, he specifically points out, I'm giving you the seeds and I'm giving you the fruit. And again, I didn't have exact conclusions, but I had general feelings about this because it it, it jumps out how the seed is is the originator of life. Uh, The seed is the start of all life. You, You plant the seed and everything grows from that. We are the seeds of Abraham. Uh, there's so many prophetic uh, things about what a seed is in the Bible. And fruit, you know, be fruitful and multiply, bear much fruit. We are, you know, This is another thing that is repeated throughout scripture to us who believe, and here he is at the very beginning telling man what he's going to eat. And he says, you get the seeds and you get the fruit the animals can have the grass, you know, the animals can have the rest of the herbs and stuff, but he gives man the seeds and the fruit. There is a reason for that. Even if I'm not, even if I haven't nailed it down and I haven't gone, oh, there it is. There's revelation from God. That's what it is. I know there's something there. Any thoughts?
1: Nothing major is coming out. Just thinking, be fruitful, multiply. Here's the fruit. Here's the seed. I think you're right. I, I see a connection. I just don't mm-hmm. know how big that connection gets.
0: Yeah, exactly. So that that kind of excites me. Again, this is, I'm I'm looking at the map. I'm piecing it together. I know I've got a piece of this. I still don't know where the X is. I don't know exactly where this is heading, but it's exciting at uh, this moment. I, I like this feeling. The next thing I saw right here is everything is vegetarian. Now, at this point... Uh, there's no eating of animal flesh here. He gives man the seeds and the fruit. He gives every other animal the the green herb for food. Uh, And what this said to me, and I've kind of mentioned it before, we're going to get into it from time to time as uh, these verses cover it, but this is one verse that goes into this. Mankind, just like you listening Now, just like every individual human being that's ever been on the face of the earth, you start as a newborn, then you are an infant, then you are a young child, then you are an older child, then you are a young teen, then you're an older teen, then you're a young adult, and then you're a mature adult, then you're an older adult. We all have growth. Mankind also has growth. And God has understood this and God has dealt with us throughout the Bible in this way. We see God deal with the entire race of man as if we as, as, individ, as if we were an individual being that is growing and maturing. And right here, we're babies. We're newborns. We're infants. Uh, I'm gonna skip ahead. Genesis 9, three through four. Noah has just gotten off the ark and God tells him, Every moving thing that lives shall be for food for you. Even as the green herb have I given you all. So God is telling Noah, now you're going to eat meat. And I see this as the next stage in growth. Now mankind has gotten to the point where they no longer need mother's milk. They no longer need the soft mush that you find in a Gerber baby jar, baby food jar. They no longer need that, you know, the little Cheerio nuggets that uh, I gave my son when he was, uh, you know, just an infant, learning how, to, learning how to gum and chew his food with the uh, what we called the tufas he was getting that were coming out of his mouth. And now he now mankind this is a prophetic statement that now mankind is getting older and can start to have solid food and real meat and i want to skip ahead and give some other verses that help explain this hebrews 5 12 through 14 this is the apostle paul teaching behold the time is upon you today to be teachers according to your understanding and from faith in the vision. Yet you need repeated teaching. And to begin with, you need the beginnings of the words of Elohim. So he's chastising them. He's saying they spiritually should be teachers, but they are not to that point. They should be to this point now, but they continue to remain stagnant and... and still needing the very beginnings of the words of Elohim. And he goes on, for you now is an analogy that you need to eat milk and not solid food. For one who needs more milk is not fortified in the word of purity, for he is not receiving the foundation, for he is an infant But the food of the mature is the bread of solid food and those who discern having accustomed their senses and learned to discern between equity and evil. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3, it's still Paul. He says, my brothers, I was not able to speak with you as with spiritual men, but as with carnal and as to babes in the Messiah. I gave you milk to drink. I did not give you food for you were not yet able but not even now are you able for you are yet in the flesh for where there is among you envy and contention and factions. Are you not carnal and walking in the flesh? So here we see Paul explaining this analogy on a spiritual level, which again is, is my hope that everyone sees through uh, the entire old Testament is see the spiritual connection to each one of you. And here Paul is flat out explaining it. We're all babies. These were older men that he's calling babies because they were spiritual babies. They should have been old enough to go deeper into the word of God. Pull out the 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 solid meats, the solid bread, the solid foods and say we're going to we're going to get the deep things of God, but they still needed the very basics. And and they weren't going any deeper. And they just they were just right there just going, "No, just keep feeding us. We're fine right here. This is enjoyable." And this is what's happening in Genesis right now. This is another prophetic uh, physical example of a spiritual truth. Man is being given only the grains because Adam is an infant. And we see as we see the race of God or the race, sorry, the race of man move on, we see him start to grow. And uh, I was, I, I kind of dug in a little more about food and what that means but in doing so i was getting way off of genesis and i want this to be limited to how this applies to genesis so i'm going to stop there i have a lot i have many more verses i have a lot more to go into about what food means and and all that kind of thing maybe that's for another topic
1: topic yeah, yeah.
0: you look like you got something on your mind brad no i was just as wondering. all the viewers all the listeners can obviously see
1: <laughs> no i was just thinking have we how many times have we started over as infants?
0: How, say that again.
1: How many times have we started over as infants?
0: Oh, you mean Do we, like individually? Or are you talking not the race of man? I, you're talking I, I'll
1: go. I'll go with the, the each of us with with mankind. I mean, yes, we make certain certain big developments, and we might move on. But I I see that we're doing this again today. Yeah. We're only eating. We're 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 only eating the the milk, or we're, or we're not getting mm-hmm. the meaty substance. The church is only preaching certain few easy t- to digest bits of truth.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, so it's like, well, I'm just wondering how, how has this process gone on before? Have we gotten to a point where we were getting the meaty stuff, but then something happened and we kind of you know, went back to a back to the needing of just the milk.
0: Right. I don't,
1: yeah. I, I don't know I don't have I, just It's just in my head Just a thought That I was thinking of
0: No I'm with you I see it as selfishness A lot of times We just want to sit here And be fed uh, We don't want to chase That's effort
1: We don't want to Wean ourselves from Mm-hmm. Yeah no I get that Okay
0: uh, But that's just me uh, I There's lots of reasons That's just one That stands out to me As something that I've noticed Quite often
1: Well you know It's scary Becoming an adult Sometimes yeah, you know, it's more fun
0: to. You're responsible now.
1: Be a carefree child, and you know, no, I, 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 can understand that. It's just opening my eyes a little bit more to what's going on. It's interesting to me.
0: Okay, so I gotta let's move on. I am gonna finish up uh, Genesis one by reading Genesis one thirty one and Genesis two, verse one, and Elohim saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day, and the heaven and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And one thing that jumped out at me here was the fact that this is the only time that he says it was very good. And again, I don't have absolute answers. I just pondered that. What could that mean? Uh, Is it because this is the day he just made man? Uh, and, and man is very good. Uh, that's because man is his love. Everything else is the house he created for the man. The entire world and everything on it was was made for man, not the other way around. Uh, but I went back again. try to let God define God. So I went back and I just read this verse again. And what it says is, And Elohim saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And I thought, is is he saying it's very good because it's complete? Because he's seeing all of it together? And I imagined listening to a master on an instrument play a song on a guitar, and then listening to uh, a master play the drums, and listening to a master play the keyboard, play a violin, play a saxophone, play a, uh, a violin, play a cello, play a number of these instruments, and each one individually going, that is good. But then putting them all together and realizing that the the individual songs they were making combined into one orchestral masterpiece, and you have a full, rich sound, and that is very good. And I, I personally love... Uh, certain bands and certain things where they do combine instruments that don't seem to fit necessarily. I I love Skillet. Uh, For those of you who don't know, it's a hard rock band, but they incorporate violin and cello and orchestral pieces of that nature. I love Crowder, uh, who combines, you know, like fiddles and banjos and old-time folk music with modern dance and it's just I love that full rich sound when they can do things like this and to me that's kind of what this is speaking the completeness the the, the, what we're talking about the intricacies of God every individual piece coming together perfectly
1: no it's a beautiful picture Scott God says it's very good when it's complete and it's and it's doing what it's supposed to do
0: Mm -hmm. like the human body you spoke yourself about the there's a scientist who just studying the eye the eye itself came to a saving knowledge in god because just his study of the eye and how amazing it was led him to believe there had to be a creator this is not an accident and that's just the eye i mean imagine you know The eye, that's good. The ear, the nose, and what it can accomplish. The the brain, the spinal structure, the skeleton, the skin, the heart, the lungs, every individual piece. But now put it together and form a body and see how it all comes together and connects so precisely and so magnificently. And that's very good. So anyway, another thing that jumped out at me here is I was, I was on this theme of good, where it says, where God says it is good. And I went back and I realized he doesn't always say it. I don't know that I consciously caught this before. But on the second day, God does not say anything's good. And on the first day, he specifies that the light is good. But that's all. Every other day he says God looked on all that he had done and it was good. You know, And God saw what he had made and it was good. You know, That kind of thing. So first of all, going back to the second day, nothing is good. This is the day where God divides the waters. And I didn't think about this when we were going over it at the time, but we did specify one of the things that that could represent is the waters can represent us prophetically, The people of the earth, all all of us blended together. It can also represent the water of the word. And we talked about how this is where the waters were divided. The waters above from the waters below. And this is a day that represents where sin divides us from God. So God would not say that that is good.
1: That's not good, no. Wow, Scott, I don't think I ever made that connection either.
0: (laughs) But yeah, when he divides the waters from the waters... He never says it's good. I, yeah, I'm, li- I'm with you, Brad. I never made that connection before. I, not that I can recall actively thinking about that. And then the first day, he says, light is good. Doesn't say that to the darkness. There, guys, there's no yin-yang balance here. Apart from God is not intended to exist and it will be annihilated in the end. Light is good. Darkness is not he is going to annihilate sin and it is not intended to be a balance there you know for every good there must be bad for every bad there must be good in harmony together no that's a myth to get you to say um okay the evil that's out there we'll accept it it's fine it's supposed to be no it's not supposed to be the light was good the darkness doesn't get a mention for a reason
1: wow all of the people I've listened to and all the studies I have done and and that's just something that's never been brought up. That's very mm-hmm. interesting, Scott. Thank you.
0: Now something else that uh, I wanted to check out here. I had a little difficulty because I was on this. He saw that it was good. I was on this kick and I wanted to pull everything out of it. So I went back and I tried to find that word saw. He saw that it was good. And Strong's Concordance didn't want to help me out. It didn't cover the word. Uh, it... It just relegated it to the appendix, and just and it treated saw uh, in this place in scripture, and even everywhere else in the King James, where it says "see," "seest," anything related to "see," past tense, fu- uh, future tense, whatever. It, it just said that's an appendix word like "the," and that drove me nuts. So I did some more researching. I found that the word "see" in Hebrew is ra'ah, but I cannot verify that it is the Hebrew word used here because I have seen other places where, just like in English, there are three or four words that all kind of mean the same thing. If I say in English, see, look, behold, perceive, uh, and there are several other words that could essentially mean the same thing. They could all be used synonymously. One could replace another in a sentence. I don't know exactly if this is the Hebrew word here, but I did look this up. And it means to see, literally or figuratively, to enjoy, to discern, to approve, to provide, to cause to see. And one of the reasons I wanted to do this is I just had a feeling that there was more to this than I was thinking about. And I can't prove it because I can't directly connect them right now. But uh, I don't know if you've heard the song, I Am Free, Now, I know it from the Newsboys, uh, but it's a song that was written by a man named John Egan, Uh, but the song, in the song it says, I am free to run, I am free to dance, I am free to live for him, I am free. So, Are you familiar with this, Brad? No, I'm
1: not familiar with that one. Okay,
0: I'd play it for you right now, but I don't have the legal right, and (laughs) I could get shut down and sued. So, no, I won't do that. But, yeah, I encourage you to listen to it. It's one of my favorites. Uh, I love it. Like I said, I personally listen to the Newsboys versions. And on a side note, it's one of the only live tracks that I like better than the studio tracks that I've heard because it has such energy and passion in it uh, that jumps out in the live version for me. Uh, But that's just me. That's just a side note. Uh, Again, it was written by a man named John Egan. Uh, But, now, I have always... I had always listened to this song, I am free to run, I am free to dance, I am free to live for him, I am free. As if it were saying, yes, God has given me the freedom to run and and, and a celebration of it. Uh, And that's what the song is. It's high energy, it's a celebration. I am free, he's made me free. Isn't this awesome? Uh, As if saying, God has let me do what I want. I have been given the freedom to celebrate him, I don't have to submit to uh, a religious authority and do it a specific way. No, I have the freedom. He's given me the freedom to do whatever I want. I can run, I can dance. I'm not limited when someone tells me you can't do that. No, God has given me the freedom. I'm gonna do that. I don't remember why, but it was, it was a few years ago. I started thinking, does this mean more? Uh, to me, a uh, personal conviction. I have no idea what the author intended. But does this mean... I have been made free in order to fulfill a destiny. In other words, you know, I am free to run. I have been made free because he wants me to run and he wants to remove the barriers keeping me from doing that. So in other words, I am free to choose, but I can choose not to run and that's not his desire. I am free so that I might dance, if you wanna think of it that way. I have been made free for the purpose of living for him. And I was thinking about that. That puts more of an onus on us to use this freedom wisely. You know, I am free to run. Yeah, it's a celebration, I can do this. But it's also a recognition that I'm supposed to do this. The freedom, doing it of my own free will, is something we've discussed before in earlier podcasts. That's the love that you're, you're fulfilling your destiny for him from your desire, not because you were made to. Anyway, the reason I describe this is because, I th- is there a similar thing here? God saw that it was good. Okay, I get the interpretation. God recognized it was good. God did all this stuff. Then he stopped, took a deep breath, looked back on what he did and went, yep, yep, that's, that's pretty good. What I did was pretty awesome. Hey, angels, check this out. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool what I did? That's, that's kind of the idea that I got from it. But then I started thinking, is there more here? Is it like he's saying, and God saw that it was good, like as if God saw to it that it was good. Is there more of an active thing here? Not just sitting back in recognition, but God made this, made this, and in making it, made sure that it was good. Do, do you think I'm reading into that? I th-
1: Absolutely. You also said that it could... You,
0: so you do think I'm reading into that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely think your point is on... Hard. okay it's on it's got some truth to it but you also said that uh it can mean to uh make see
0: that and that's one of the things i was going to come to in this word it says one of the definitions is to provide so that's an active and to cause to see
1: cause to see so my mind immediately went to um it's like when you when you, you've you done this to me many times, even just in this study, you have caused me to see something I didn't necessarily think of before. Yeah. So it makes me wonder if that's some truth to that as well, is that by just looking at the creation, by looking at the heavens, by looking you know, at, at all the beasts, all the fish, all the birds, whatever it is, God is causing us to see that it is good.
0: I hadn't even considered that. I like that. A lot. Yeah. And saying, and God saw that it was good. You can possibly interpret, and God made us see it was good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's something. Yeah. See, that's, I hadn't even considered that. I just, I just felt like there's something more to this than just God sat back and went, yep, cracked open a cold one, sat back (laughs) on his recliner and went, it's good. I'm good. Let's take a break. It's all good. Um, I really like that. Now, now, you, now you got me wanting to stop and think about that, but I need to move on. Can't just pause and go, all right, everybody, take a break for five minutes. We're going to have dead air.
1: Well, technically right we could. We just well, ended yeah, it that's out. true.
0: <laughs> and again, this word ra'ah, I can't be certain at this point in time, maybe someone else can. Maybe, if hey, viewers, if you know, tell me, is this the word or is it another word? Whether it is this word ra'ah, uh, the word picture for it is resh, aleph, and hey. Now, one of the possible interpretations, now this word means to see, and one of the possible interpretations is behold God through Adam. So again, the way, I, I didn't catch this before, but the you just pointed out, one of the definitions of this is to cause to see. So is God saying, hey, you can see me in man. I am in my creation. Uh, And that kind of directly related to Genesis through me. There's another interpretation that you can get that that spoke to me prophetically and spiritually, and that is, behold the Father through the Son. Oh, go ahead.
1: Uh, No, I just love those word pictures. And and it can mean so many more things, but I I think we're on to something with that. I mean, God gave us the ability to see, but he's also saying, you can see me in man. He's perfect. He's just
0: perfect. Now, I think I'm going to end there. I think we've gone on for pretty long. Are we, we sitting in about 50 minutes or so? Right on 50 minutes. Okay. So I've got something else I could go over with Genesis 1.31 and Genesis 2.1, and that is the word finished and what that means. But there's a connection that I want to go on into in the Genesis 2, 2, and 3 Uh, And that is going to take us into a lot more. So I think I'm going to end there for today. I'm going to make my own personal note here to stop there and go back with finished next time.
1: Oh, but I don't want to.
0: (laughs) Uh, So with that, I guess, uh, do you have any final thoughts? But I don't want to say we're done. And you were like, wait, wait, I wanted to say this. No, Scott. I just I want to say thank you. I appreciate today
1: very much. I now have a lot of things I've got to think about as well. And so it's. you started out by saying you don't have many connections or conclusions this time around, but you're right. It's been a lot of fun not having those conclusions because now we get to think about them. Yeah. And we're going to see some things that maybe we wouldn't have seen if we'd already come in with preconceived ideas.
0: Yeah. It's always awesome to go revelation. Oh my goodness. The Holy Spirit showed me something and it's so awesome, but it's also cool to go, I know there's more. (laughs) I know there's more.
1: Well, that's the chasing part because now I have things I got to think about and I'm going to go. I'm going to go and chase.
0: Uh, Yep. That's the fun part of it. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, here's hoping that you guys have fun with this too and keep chasing. As always, I'm Scott.
1: And I'm Brad. And this has been Not about us.